0: The GovCon Secrets Podcast will take a deep dive into the government contracting space, where you'll hear from a variety of expert guests on strategy, pricing, benefits, business tactics, and all this to save you a ton of money, time, energy, and effort. I'm your host, Jim Campbell, former Marine and CEO of Axon Fringe Solutions Group. My goal is to redefine the benefits world with a brutally honest view of how benefits, compliance, finance, and overall contracting strategy mixed with my years of experience and expertise can it benefit you to deploy strategies to help your GovCon grow and win in the future, all the while without boring you to death. We're going to have fun. Let's start the show.
1: Jim, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
1: If you could just introduce yourself for our listeners and let them know who
0: you are, that would be awesome. Sure. Jim Campbell, uh, Axe and French Solutions Group, I'm the CEO and founder and uh, we've been in this benefits and compliance game now for going on 17 years in the metro area.
1: Today, we're going to be talking about the practical application of benefits within GovCon and being able to navigate between contract and benefit requirements. So I guess let's start with contract requirements because that's more of where I'm more familiar with than the, the benefit requirements. So when I hear when I hear contract requirements, the first thing, couple things I think of are the Service Contract Act and the Davis Bacon. So full transparency, I have not done anything with Davis Bacon. So I have a couple of questions for you, or hopefully you'll be able to elaborate a little bit more about that. But for Service Contract Act, um, and we've done a couple episodes about this. So if you don't know what it is, it is um, an act that was passed that requires contractors to pay their people a like a minimum of wage like a minimum wage rate and then fringe benefits depending on where you're working now how do you know if your requirement or your service applies to that go to the department of labor there's actually a list and there's actually a, a shorter list i just found in the far of some of the services and that that are covered but if you're covered by that and you're not paying those people the minimum requirement you will get in trouble but um, I love to hear what you think about it because I'm a little biased because I don't like all of the administrative piece that comes from our side. But like, how do you feel about SCA? Because you know you're a benefits company, so uh, what what do you have to say about it? I'm gonna stop talking.
0: Uh, I love it for the simple fact that it gives everybody an equal opportunity to have access to benefits without having the employer stretch a very or an already very tested and stretched um dollar the aspect and i tell everybody this like service contract act is a great measure because you have a mandated fringe or a health and welfare amount and a mandated wage so this is what they get paid to take home and feed their families and this amount over here is used to help them cover their families should they have medical issues and so on and so forth the one caveat to that is service contract act was built strictly for the employee only so you have to then take into effect and take into account um, the fact that these employees may have families. They might need coverage. They might need other things, right? So that dollar goes not that far if you're trying to build it for a family, obviously. But to cover the employee and do the right thing, it's a great tool, you know. Whereas Davis Bacon Act, much higher fringes, but the work time frames are much lower. So. There's a, a good dance to play there if you're if you're trying to really maximize the fringe.
1: So at a minimum, they have to pay the whatever's required by law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've seen that some companies pay the bare minimum and then they end up biting, it, it, it kind of bites them later because they didn't account for other things. So I guess what have you seen in terms of, um, you know, what if a company decides they just want to pay... That can they pay their people out instead of paying for that like in time or something? I'm just because again, this is all very new to me. From the oh no, I get it from the other side because I I'm thinking about it from like a small business hat, right? So if somebody comes and they don't know anything about fringe benefits and how to start building that to determine what are, what my rate would be if I'm trying to propose against something like, wh- like how do you approach that and like what's the like what's the you know pro and con of adhering to what you're minimally, minimally required to pay someone versus I'm just going to do this.
0: Yep. I'll, I'll give you the long and short here of small businesses use the health and welfare to pay cash in lieu of benefits, because that's the quickest way to t- get people in these contracts, whether you win a contract to two, five, 10, 15 people. Problem is, as you grow, those people want benefits. They need to protect their families, like I've talked about. Well, if you're giving cash in lieu of... You're paying the FICA, FUTA, and SUTA, and the increase to your workers' comp, all from overhead. You cannot use the the health and welfare to reimburse yourself from that. It becomes a trap because those employees now are saying, well, we want the cash, but we also want benefit. Now you get to 50 employees and you have the Affordable Care Act where the individual mandate was removed, but for Service Contract Act or contractors, it is not because the government looks at that health and welfare amount as a subsidy it's a number that you should be providing benefit to. So you might be providing cash in lieu, you pass the affordability because they counted towards the test. If they don't have credible coverage or they get funding or they get a plan outside from any state or federally funded um, plan, now that employer, the contractor's out of compliance and they're gonna pay a heavy penalty of $3,000 per employee. Um, And that's all overhead, which they don't have. SCA is a very, very thin margin business. So we tell people, start with benefits. Build your company off the proper tenants because the SCA is a floor, absolutely. Financially, it's also a ceiling. That, that, that number, it's a floor for the government standards, but it's a ceiling for the head employer of how much they can actually spend. And you don't want to start exceeding that because everybody knows you didn't build into your profitability. You become less... Uh, viable as a business because your profitability is crushed and you're less competitive when you try to go out for new contracts.
1: I never thought about it like that as a floor or a ceiling, but I really like that analogy around it. Um, so I'm gonna go to your your forte here about the benefits requirements. So when you're talking about benefits requirements like what if if we were to you know 101 it for someone like me or people who are listening that maybe don't know this, what is that, and then why is why is building that, um, you know, the the benefits, compliance, the technology, like all of that? Why is that so important? Like, because I, I feel like maybe I'm not seeing it from that perspective yet. And you know, so many so many business owners, I feel like, have to learn like trial and error, or maybe they get violated for something, and then they have to you know figure it out and then be in compliance. But I, I'm I'm really curious to hear this because I know nothing about this.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll take it a step back and start at the compliance piece. Okay. So most companies, when they start out, you're going to start out as a subcontractor. You're not going to get direct primes. Right. Whoever hires you or brings you onto the team as the, pro- the prime, they're responsible. So they compliance flows uphill. The government wants to see that the people that are responsible for the contract, are they have the compliance under control. Years. Well-worn territory, a lot of documented cases of subs getting primes into trouble for huge money. It's easy for a subcontractor to say, well, I'm out of business. Sorry, I don't have the money. The prime still has to pay the note. So when you're a small business to be a good partner, you want to come to the table to anybody you're going to work with and say, we've got this covered. And it is, it starts with continuity of contract. If the prime is paying cash, then it's okay. If the prime is providing benefits, then you have to keep that in line. Right. And you have to, you should try to match as closely as possible because you both have the same health and welfare amount to make a benefit happen. Right. So you both have the same number. You should have an advisor that is looking out for your best interest, for your people's best interest and your finances, not just selling you a product. And all too often, small businesses say, Hey, I have a, I've got a guy or I've got a gal. They can do this. They can do that. And they're they're benefits broker, You don't know if they know what they're talking about or not they're selling something they're saying hey this is the cheapest thing it's good you have one person go in huge claim all of a sudden they're on glass door your company sucks the benefits suck i didn't get properly advised my health and welfare was taken from me whatever so it's always best to start with benefits always if you go down the road and you start with cash and lieu just for that recruitment piece you need to have clear and honest communication with people this is going to change As we grow, I have to, we have to make sure that we are starting to build this out. Tell me what your needs are. And if you have a good partner, a good broker, a good fiduciary partner, they should be doing that for you. They should have your back with your HR team and say, here's what we've done. On our end, we've got your systems in place. We're going to keep you compliant. We're going to show your primes that you're compliant and you know what you're doing. And then we're going to, as you grow, help you build in that integration to your payroll, your ERP, you know, as you continue to grow and get all these new systems in place, they should want to grow and have the ability to grow with you. And that is what makes you very attractive to people wanting to give you a subcontract.
1: It's always really funny to think about, you know, as a subcontractor, all of the things that, you know, you're responsible for with the prime, but then some of the things that you're not directly responsible for when it comes to the government, because we can't talk to subcontractors. So it's always really interesting. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um, unless you get to talk to someone like you and you get to understand, you know, maybe they, they, they stopped working together because something happened or they got the prime in trouble or who knows, you know? Yeah. But I guess what's like a couple of, you know, I know you can't use names, but like some of your, you know, no, no's. Like things that you've seen that <laughs> like, you know, if, if, if they had to go back and do it again, this would be a, you know, don't do this or something. Just, I know you said start with benefits. I think that's a really great suggestion because you're not going to be able to keep people mm-hmm. if you don't have good, reliable benefits to offer them because they want to get paid, but they also want to be able to have, you know, insurance and other things to take care of themselves and their families. But, um, I guess like, do you have any like war stories? You know, that like, I'm sure we could probably be
0: here forever. Yeah, I'm a scarred up individual if you ask that question. I could sit here all day long. Um, but, you know, I, I think sitting in the beltway for all these years and building benefits around these types of contracts, the biggest no-no I think is, is really not asking for help, trusting what you read on the internet. Because the first thing anybody's going to do in this space is Google, right? And they're going to say, oh, I've got it figured out. Biggest mistake that you can make is thinking that you have it figured out. Now, again, all these years, I have thousands of instances, not just a couple hundred, thousands. And it's been proven, right? There's reports, 78% of all companies that do compliance in-house have had a compliance infraction, 78%, which means they don't know what they're doing. Now, in 2020, during COVID, 21 And so far in 22 the dol has recuperated billions per year not one billion billions per year i think it was 3.2 in 2020 and then it only got bigger just from wage and hour infractions these are people not paying proper wage terminations not doing the proper conformance of wage conform that's another huge thing like they don't understand conformance uh and then obviously um the wage and hour piece right So the game has changed because it used to be, man, we just have to make money and keep people working. Now it's, we have to keep people working and make money and meet all these new requirements. And the list goes on and on and on. Every, the second biggest no-no is not asking the second deeper question, just trusting the people that you think have your back. Every contractor says, I have a broker, I have an ERP specialist, I have a payroll specialist. They know. I will tell you, yeah. Again, I'll tell you, they don't know shit. Excuse my French, but they don't know. Like they don't know. They say they know. They say they know because they heard from an attorney or they heard from us or whatever. It's always revisionist history. They don't know. So they like, oh, well, we were told when we got, when we bought our payroll package that they do SCA compliance. Are they the fiduciary of that? Because when you get audited and you will, who's going to back up those numbers? That payroll company's not. We have... A couple of lawsuit cases from the past 10 years of the show, they don't, right? They don't even feign to do that. So you get, you get trapped in these sales things. Oh, they're buddies of mine. They're friends. They're good. They've been around since we were small. They know what they're talking about. They don't know. The third no-no that I would say is something that you absolutely don't want to touch is trying to force payroll, finance, um, and HR all into HR. You absolutely don't want to do it. These folks are great at what they do. They protect people. They keep the company out of hot water, but they can only do so much. And when you have the CFO that wants financial results and you have the HR people that want human results and protect the people, sometimes they don't talk. Oftentimes, we go into companies, the CEO wants certain things, CFO wants something, HR wants something, and then they have divisions within HR, payroll, you know, and then you have the contracts people over here. They don't always talk, so when you just try to dump everything back to HR, bad things happen. And like you said, you, you don't ever talk to the sub, but there are so many cases where HR folks on, come to our team. They'll call us. We, I've been on so many calls, tears in their eyes. I'm going to lose my job. We screwed up. Da da da. No, you're not here's how this happens, right? And you get a chance to kind of get the the monkey off your back and get a second set of eyes from somebody that knows the industry, has the systems in place, and can kind of help you avoid those internal landmines and external landmines. And um, you, you get to cut through the BS, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of salespeople out there. I will tell anybody that's listening to this, I tell anybody that's listening to our show, they come to us or they go to somebody that's been doing this, like, some of our competitors for over 30 years to get the right answers. And if you're not doing that, there's a problem.
1: You just said so many really great things. I don't even know where to start to unpack that. But um, I guess if a company, you know, starting out and they, they've got their HR person and they've got, you know, maybe someone or a company that they're outsourcing certain things too, but they need someone like your company. Um, like what, should they be looking for, in addition to the sales portion, because clearly maybe they don't have the resources, you know, when you start, you have like two people doing, you know, four jobs and right. trying to figure that out. So, I mean, and and I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about what your company does, because it sounds like you probably help people off the ledge to be able to be like, no, it's really okay.
0: <laughs> oh, well... This isn't, this isn't our first go around, right? So it's not just small businesses. This is large companies that have been in business a long time that make a ton of money. They need help too. Because uh, as you know, and you've probably heard or seen in SCA particularly, you can be a 10 person company and become a hundred overnight,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like mm-hmm. God forbid you do a great job on that one contract that you have. And all of a sudden the government's like, hey, we're going to rebadge this contract and you guys are taking over. It's a Thursday and they tell you, you have to start work Monday. Mm-hmm. what are you mm-hmm. going to do? Like you said, HR is doing nine jobs. right? right. The CEO is still billable, right? Like, or you're an IT company, right? You have nothing to do with SCA. It doesn't exist in your world. All of a sudden you're like, we can do that job. Database administration, whatever it is, you pick it up, boom, SCA just fell in your lap. Now you have two different classes of employees and you have benefits that are up here. And then you have this new class of employees that have financials here, mm-hmm. but your benefits risk, the underwriting risk just went way up here. Nobody gets that. Brokers will talk to you about, oh, we've got it because they know the benefits sale. The payroll companies say, just add them to payroll, we've got it. The ERP says, we've got a module for it. No problem. Another 10 grand. Nobody's done the linkage for the company. A year goes down the road. They're not compliant. Their benefits suck. Their enrollment eligibility is spiraled out of control. Their costs keep going up. Their fringe is out of control. Nobody did that tie-in. So what we tell people is, when you're just starting out, listen to great shows like yours. Go on LinkedIn. You know, find us. Find people that have been in this industry for thirty plus years. I know, as I sit here, there are five benefit brokers in the country that actually get government contracting. Five. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disparaging benefit brokers Mm -hmm. because we work with so many that say, hey, man, I don't know what you know, but you're a part of our machine. So that makes me a better advisor. And I say, you're absolutely right. But then everybody else that's just selling can really hurt a client. And I say it in our podcast. I said it on LinkedIn and I've got a permanent target on my back. People love to throw arrows he's this, he's that, he's a jerk, he's an a-hole, because I, I guess I'm taking money out of their pocket. But one thing they don't tell me is I'm wrong,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And I, mm-hmm. and I said, because I work for the contractor. I work for those employees that don't have much. And we w- live in a society where cost keeps spiraling up, but their wages don't. Somebody owes it to them to do the right thing. So if I can wash it all down, The government built a vehicle where the right thing is already there. We've made it more complicated. And now it's just demystifying this this number and building what the government has provided. The government has provided that health and welfare amount to give people what they need. We, as a sales organization or organizations, have made it more complicated unnecessarily. That is an issue. Get rid of all the sales BS. Find us on LinkedIn. Find us on the podcast, find us on great shows like yours, whatever, reach out, ask a question. I'm not an attorney. I'm not going to send you a bill. If I, because I have 17 years of an FAQ built up, right? So, I mean, and I've seen lawsuits and I've seen uh, investigations and I've seen the bad and the good and the indifferent and everything in between. I will give you the best course of action for the compliance resources like what the letter of the law says, as well as what you can do or should do with the dollars that you have available to build best benefits. Whether you choose to use us or not, no problem.
1: I think um, one of the things you said that I thought was so um, profound was people might not like you or might get mad at you because you're, you know, taking money away from them. But I think there's something to be said that people, you know, kind of gravitate towards people that are, that are straight about stuff. Like, I mean, thank you for the shout out, your show. I've learned so much already about like, all of the things that people are saying are either BS or need to change or be, you know, restructured when it comes to, um, you know, how things work in GovCon because I've been very one-sided and the show has offered me a very, very interesting insight into all of the things I had no idea about when it comes to the other side. And I have, um, I've, I'm just going to make a public blanket apology to all the people that have to sit on the other side of what we give you because. Sometimes we don't make it easy, but you said something. I have a question about, you know, we have this, you know, structure now that, you know, companies overcomplicate. Do you think that companies might feel that something like SCA limits a company, you know, like, cause we're technically not supposed to tell a company when they go to break out their proposal of, you know, this is their rate. This is what we're going to offer them. This is the fully burdened piece you know, and especially in a competitive requirement, it's great because they try and, you know, they want to be competitive. And we look at what the buildup is. We're not really supposed to tell companies what their rate's supposed to be, but in a way, because it's legally mandated, we are. So I'm just wondering, do you think that companies might not like that because it kind of pins them into something that they have to adhere to if they really want to play in that in that arena?
0: hundred percent. So, um, where that was the biggest, where that was most evidence was LPTA. You'll probably remember where companies were just lowballing rates, whether they were even technically acceptable or not. They were just lowballing rates, and they couldn't deliver on the contract, mm-hmm. or they weren't paying the health and welfare because they they weren't aware of it. Um, a lot of companies when they hear the words SCA, walk away. Funny story: I talked to a seasoned veteran in this industry for twenty eight years. She's been working in this industry twenty eight years phenomenal wealth of information. Like I love speaking with her. She's here in the Metro DC area. We've worked together. But every time she says something, I'm like, you're a walking encyclopedia for this industry. Um, And she said to me, she is, you know, before I met you, I advised every client, don't bid on the SCA pieces, subcontract that out. Don't take that. You'll never make money. And she said, over our last eight years of working together, you've changed my thought process and she's like now i have clients who are predominantly sca and they're killing it but what they're doing is they're setting the standard for their subcontractors because they've grown she only works with really primes but they've set the standard for their subcontractors to be better more financially advantaged than they were when they were in the same position a decade ago whatever it is and she said we've taught a new generation of folks how to not be afraid of sca you know and The adverse of that is in DBA for Davis-Bacon Act. That's the business they're in. They don't have a choice, right? And they have to be very adept at how to use those dollars. But SCA is a finite number that everybody across the country, regardless of prime or sub, has to abide by. And then typically every July, that number is going to change. There's going to be some variation, but not a great amount. So the folks that are that say, and I'll use a facilities maintenance company, right? They're out there. One of our, well, I'll use a client experience. Five years ago, maybe twenty employees, maybe now, a little over four hundred and fifty. And what they found was we're really good at knowing what we're really good at. We do facilities maintenance, and they went from all priming contracts; they just are subcontracts. They just got their first prime last year, and. They built a business of being the best prime or best sub to primes in the game, I think. And now that they're a prime, they're teaching other people, this is how you get there. This is what we want from our partners. And they're not afraid of it. So, and they're crushing it. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's great to see that people are starting to break it down and demystify it.
1: So if you're listening to this, don't be afraid of SCA. Maybe just see who can um, either mentor you or help you along the way if it's your first one or if you're going to sub with someone that has SCA positions because not to make it more complicated, but there are contracts where it's specifically all SCA. But then there are other contracts where you have specific positions that are SCA and then the rest are just completely created built up by the company which then becomes another issue and I think that's part of probably what the headache is on both sides of how to manage that because you have to make sure that you're adhering to that and you're paying your people but um don't uh don't just write it off you know I think that's probably one of my favorite things about the show is hearing all of the things that small businesses can try and go after and not just be afraid of because it's an unknown or unfamiliar territory so Um, With that, as you know, that, you know, my, my passion here is small businesses. So I'm going to, and I always ask my, uh, my, my guests this question, but if you had any recommendations for small businesses that want to work in GovCon um, and don't already, or are just getting started, what would, what would that be?
0: Uh, Perfect instance. Again, I had a a former Marine, Uh, as you can tell, I'm a former Marine, Um, never served with this man, never but he had heard through kind of the brotherhood, through the Marine Corps Mafia, as I like to call it, that I was in this thing. And he found me and reached out. Um, he said, hey, man, I I haven't been able to win a contract in a year. I've been trying, trying, trying. What do I need to do? Really smart guy, knows what he's doing, but uh, just hasn't had the win yet. And I I said, how can I help you? Because you fall right in my wheelhouse. You're an SCA contractor. Like, how can I help you? well, how do I build this thing up? Like, do I really need to, like we talked about, do I need to provide benefits? And he reached out. Now it's been six, seven, eight emails later. I introduced him to some other folks that really know I've given him some opportunities are coming down the pipe and he's bound to win, right? He's determined, he's dogged. Um, But the idea is constantly reach out. We're, We're a small community. I'm not a big business. We're not a, $100 million company, um, you're a small community, inside of a small community. It costs nothing to try to help somebody else out. Zero. It costs me 20 minutes an email, 25 minutes an email. And I find that the more people are doing that, the more adept the small businesses are getting, the better aligned they are to pricing, the better aligned they are to resources. So when we had our conference, shameless plug, last month or in April, Um, we had awesome folks come out, great partners of the firm, uh, that I've worked with for years from price and proposal and strategy all the way out to former government contractors now providing advice, um, finance people in, in GovCon. And the idea was how can I expose all these great resources at the push of a button to say, Hey, I need some help. And every single one of these partners that attended has said, hey, we, we got somebody that asked us a question or they became a client or we, we just wrote them a funding letter to, so they can go after their first contract. We, we substantiated that they will have the funding to be able to take on the contract. That's all I ever wanted, right? Because now like we're, again, we're a small community inside of a small community. Small business have to stick together, especially in this economy. You can't lend you can't borrow money. Right. It's and you're not going to get huge by yourself. So you kinda have to be a good human being and not be a D bag and just try. Like try to help other people. And sorry for the French, but like I mean you you have to just try to be a, a decent person to help other people get ahead
1: no I love the French and uh I think that's a mic drop moment so I'm <laughs> I I mean I I think this community is amazing it is very small and so it's you know six it's I make this six degrees of Kevin bacon joke I because I met I met you through you know uh one of my new sponsors and she's known you for 10 years and so I had said you know oh, I really want to have him on the show and she was like done let me let me read you know why don't you reach out to him he'll He'll be happy to, he'll be happy to connect with you. So,
0: and that person knows that I love her. She's great.
1: (laughs) She's amazing. Yeah. I I love her dearly. And, um, what, uh, what would be the best way if our listeners want to get in touch with you, you know, maybe to ask you a question or, um, you know, pick your brain about something. Um, how would that, how would that go? Uh,
0: LinkedIn, we give a ton of content away for free. So on our LinkedIn post, so it's axum F S G Foxtrot Sierra golf, um, on LinkedIn, obviously, Jim Campbell, I'm not hard to find. Um, and then there's links to the company in there. And then our podcast is GovCon Secrets. Um, Spotify is is the best place to see it, um, and Apple. But um, I, I, if people want to reach out directly, my email, jcampbell at axumsg.com. Um, always happy to answer any questions and, and um, help any way I can.
1: Well, I have enjoyed you so much being here and hopefully I can come be on your show because I love listening to it.
0: Oh, it's a plan. Thanks for having me. Take care.